In the spirit of reconciliation, the Theatre Thoughts podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all traditional custodians of the land on which our episodes are recorded. I would say New York is more than a place. It's, um, it's a feeling. It's an energy. It's an experience. Um, there is nowhere else in the world that's like it. The minute you get off an airplane, you immediately feel the buzz. Mm. That is New York. It, anything and everything exists within this city, and you can see and experience and and anything, anything in this city, anything you want, you can you could definitely have here. Yeah. Like on one instance, you could meet the richest person in the world, and. A homeless person within five steps of each other. You're listening to the Theatre Thoughts Podcast, your backstage pass to the world of theatre in Australia and beyond. I'm Justin, your guide through the drama, comedy and pure magic of the stage from the heart of Australia to the grandest stages worldwide. Join us here for enlightening conversations, reviews and behind-the-scenes stories from the artists themselves. Subscribe for your regular dose of theatre inspiration and consider supporting us on Patreon for exclusive content. Follow us on Instagram at theatrethoughtsaus and ttpod underscore official and discover even more over on our TikTok, Theatre Thoughts Australia. So join us as we rise the curtain on a brand new episode of the Theatre Thoughts Podcast. Welcome everyone to a new episode of the Theatre Thoughts Podcast. Uh, we are going all the way over to New York to talk to two amazing podcasters who have had, actually I've been on their podcast before, so I'm very happy for them to be on mine. Um, we have, first of all, a born entertainer who has a lengthy history of helping productions obtain whatever they need, including but not limited to actors, funding and behind the scenes labour who holds a BFA in musical theatre performance from the University of Utah and as well a, another performer, uh, or no, perform, a, a person who works behind the scenes in the Great White Way, who attended the University of Utah in her early 20s, received a degree in the performing arts and design with an emphasis in wigs and makeup specifically. They've worked as a hairdresser on Broadway on works such as The Music Man, starring our very own Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster, Some Like It Hot and Back to the Future. Please welcome Andrew Cortez and Hope Bird from the Stage Whisper podcast. Thank you for coming on. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. It's it's interesting to be in this position instead of the other way around. Like, I don't know how to feel about right now. It's very weird, isn't it? Because I've, I've done it um, the other way a couple of times and I'm like, oh, oh, I'm the guest. Oh, I'll just sit and like, oh, yeah, it's okay. Let's talk about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this is fun. This is exciting. Wow. It's, yeah. it's great to be on your show. We're huge fans of the Theatre Thoughts podcast. Thank you. So we're excited to uh, be a part of your third season. Yes, thank you so much. Yes, third season. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm doing a new thing where I kind of like bank the episodes. So, you know, it's like more of a time-saving thing. So uh, so it, it's been really great to start this one. I'm trying to get a whole range of um, episodes out. So I'm really glad to have you guys on to talk about the Stage Whisper podcast. So um, yeah. I guess, uh, I mean, I could read out the Bible but I think it sounds better coming from the mouths of the creators themselves. So would you be able to give us a bit of an idea on, 
what what stage whisper podcast is all about oh my goodness well everyone's been duped we're actually a timeshare corporation um no stage whisper we like to think of as kind of like a like i don't know like the npr of theater non-biased um information about what's happening you know on stages mostly in new york but really everywhere yeah, I mean, the 30-second sales pitch, as I've rehearsed numerous times, is basically we are a theater podcast founded by a husband and wife team. Wife, who you did a great job of introducing as a wig artist, myself, who's an actor and dresser. And our goal is to create a more inclusive, diverse, accepting, and educated theater community and audience. Our mission statement, we've stolen from Hello Dolly, which is money, pardon the expression, <laughs> is a lot like manure. It's useless unless it's spread around helping young things grow. And we don't have a lot of money. Yeah, we that's haven't for hit sure. the lottery yet. I have to go buy another ticket for the Powerball. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But what we do have is a platform and microphones and a love for helping people share their stories. Yeah. And we want to offer it up to as many theater artists and performers as we can, especially those in the off and off off-Broadway community who we feel don't have as many avenues to reach audiences like larger, more Broadway, uh, excuse me, more commercial productions. We really want to just help our industry as a whole get back to not only where it was pre-pandemic, but better than it was before. Yeah. And as Hope kind of mentioned, you know, we've been referred to by a, uh, a great guest that we're the NPR of theater podcasts because we're not a critic show. We don't get paid enough to tell people what to think, let alone what we think. Mm. Uh, so we very much cherish that NPR comment. We're very much a show by artists for artists. And along with having guests on our show, we, you know, the main purpose of our show or part is we actually tell, talk about shows themselves for a lot of people who may or may not have an opportunity to see them. And we break them down and we're hoping to make audiences more educated so that when they leave a show, they don't just walk out and go, oh, I, I didn't like that. Well, a lot of people have their hands in that show. Maybe you like nine of the 10 things. Right. that 10 thing that just didn't land. Let's figure that out. And we also wanted to use it, it wanted it to be kind of a tool that, you know, uh, regional theater producers and directors can use as a source to get like an overview of shows so that we're getting more diversity in um, local theaters just because, you know, it's hard to want to produce a show that you know nothing about. Mm. Yeah. And I think the, the other big point that we like to do in the conversation that we, we spur with our shows is talking about shows and their relevancy, especially now. There's been a lot of great theater we've had the privilege of witnessing and being a part of, but, you know, we're covering shows right now that were back in 2004. 15, if I remember right, where we've left off, you know, that's eight years ago. Yeah. Are those shows that were being on eight years ago still relevant? Are these stories still relevant? Is there a place for them to be told? Or is there a better way to be, tell them? And that's one of the big questions we address, especially with the bigger conversation of, you know, diversifying the theater mm. and whose stories are being told. And more importantly, accessibility. Who has access to the theater and why don't they have access? You know, these are bigger questions that we want to weave into our conversations and not just tell stories about oh my gosh i met brian darcy james at this show yeah that's great but yeah. also is shrek still a relevant yeah. show of course it is of course <laughs> absolutely <it is>. <laughs> <laughs> well actually speaking of that i had the pleasure of seeing oklahoma in the west end now this is the revised one 
um, which I personally had never seen Oklahoma in my entire life. I knew about it. I knew, you know, oh, Oklahoma. I knew that um, Hugh Jackman originated the revised production in, um, in the West End as well. Um, but I was like, oh, it's like a real kind of American hoedown sort of musical. Not really my thing. Um, so I went to see it because I heard a lot of good reviews about it. And I was like, you know what? I'll check it out. It looks interesting. And I went to see it and I was gobsmacked at it. I was blown away because I was watching... I felt like I was watching two performances. I was watching the actual Oklahoma and trying to figure out the original Um and then also watching this revised version of it, which they completely flipped on its head. And I was like, that is how you make a musical that is outdated. I mean, there's literally that scene where the main character asks, like, um, one of the other guys who's meant to be the bad guy to hurt himself so that he can't be with this girl. And I'm like, what is going on right now? But the way they did it, I was like, this is dark, gritty, and also weirdly sexy at the same time. I was like, Rodgers and Hammerstein, what? Um, and I, I was like, that is how you take a musical that's outdated and make it for now, for the contemporary stage. And I honestly, I cannot stop thinking about it. It's been over like two months since I've seen it and I still think about it every day. It's like my Roman Empire at the moment. <laughs> I, I have to ask you a question about that revival. Yeah. This is going to sound very weird, but were you hot at all during the show? Well, I mean, it was a summer in the UK, uh, but I was warm because they kept the lights on the entire time. Like, there was two instances of darkness, and then also with some of the, you know, uh, real sexual uh, encounters with both, well, in both uh, Leeds characters, I was like, ooh, this is, um, this is quite sexy at the moment, and I don't know how to feel about it. So, I don't know if they did this with the West End production or not, but on the Broadway production, and it was interesting because she caught this. Oh. I just sweat like sitting around doing a crossword. It doesn't take much for me. But we saw this production, and and when the second act started, they turned off the air. Oh. Okay. So all through the second act, it just kept getting hotter and hotter, and the tension was building and building. So I'm sitting here. I you could feel the room getting more stuffy and uncomfortable. And when we left, Hope was like, "Did you notice that they turned the air off?" off in act two and i said what do you mean she's like didn't you notice it was hotter you're sweating and, and they, you also could hear that they cut the air because oh. the air went from being moving to being completely stagnant right. which really added into the um like that act two mm. dream ballet yeah like the fact that the air was that stagnant plus there was still the smell of the things they cooked during intermission and everything yeah, right. it it uh, I thought it was a brilliant choice. <laughs> I did. I hadn't noticed it, but then, like, I look in hindsight, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that made that ending that much." Because oh, it's stifling. It was just such Oklahoma a smart is move. meant to be, you know, country town, and that's genius. I see. I really, yeah. love, I, I love that stuff um, when they do that. Yes. It's like when they waft in the the smell of baked pies and waitress. So you're like, mm, yes. I'm yes. yeah. uh, that's a da- that's also a dangerous show. I never left and was like. Like, you know, we should go straight home. I was always like, boy, Junior's is just right around the corner and I could go for some cheesecake. I mean. Good choice. Cheesecake is a good choice. Well, um, I, I normally uh, do, I was saying this before, I normally do um, my one minute theatre thoughts as the end segment of my podcast. But for season three, I'm going to shove it uh, in the beginning segment of the podcast because I'd love to unpack some of the answers that you um, that you create. So essentially, one minute theatre thoughts is, 
one minute off the cuff, whatever comes to the top of your head answers to a range of theatre questions. And then I'll go through and I'll unpack some of those answers and we can see if we can see where exactly they came from, if you're up for it. <laughs> All right. What has been your favourite production you've seen recently? Back to the Future. Good choice. <laughs> I don't remember what I saw last. I mean, there's Fat Ham. There. Ooh, Fat Ham. That was a good one. All right, I'm going to lock that in. Um, or Sweeney. Oh, Sweeney. Okay. Name a show that left you speechless. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. 1984. Okay. 1984. Okay. Eight No Mo. Eight No Mo. Okay. Um, what is a dream role or a show you'd love to tackle? Tackle? I personally would love to design a production of Shrek. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm going to answer both, you know, dream role or production dream role ironically is shrek <laughs> um production i would love to tackle um would be come from away oh i love that show i'd love to work for that show good choice i would i work for days for that show um all right and then final question which production would you most want to see come to broadway okay i have to ask well i guess it's coming to broadway so that doesn't count I, I would like the the Wiz. The, <laughs> <laughs> the Wiz yeah, said? but that's coming, so I, I lose that one. Um, so Atlantic Theatre Company a couple of years ago did a, actually just pre-pandemic, did a musical of Secret Life of Bees. Okay. And I'd like to see that come to Broadway. It's yeah, a bit of a, it's a, bit of a tough like one to for Broadway. See. When I ask Australian it people, this, it's because we have so much limited you know, shows where you guys, you have, you have everything. So it's a bit of a tougher one. I would like to see, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to be, I'm going to cheat and give a two-parter. I want to see Paradise Square back on Broadway, but I don't want that terrible producer to be involved. I think it was too <laughs> short-lived. Or a show that just hasn't been on Broadway for so long that I want to see on, uh, Damn Yankees. Damn Yankees. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, let's go and unpack some of those answers. So let's go back to the first All one. Right. You said, what's been your favorite production you've seen recently? You said Back to the Future. So great choice, yeah. first of all. Hope, obviously, you are working on Back to the Future. So, um, Andrew, what did you love so much about it? Because I, again, managed to see it on the West End. It was why, why number one I had to see. So once you share yours, I'll share mine. Well, it's because my wife works for No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I, when I recommend this people, I have to, like, start with, this isn't nepotism. This is purely... So I'm a child of the 80s, mm. and this is, like, an iconic, like pop culture where they write the timelines out of the 80s it's one of those like marks on the timeline of this is when back to the future came out this was just so huge so when it was announced that the show was coming to, to broadway i already had doubts because i was like listen what does great in the uk doesn't always translate to broadway especially when they're just such iconic films yeah case right. in point groundhog day um so she got the job on it and i was like okay cool i, I i'm gonna support this i'm anxious and then when i went from the word go when you walk in they've got the 80s music playing in the lobby you get into yes. the theater just the way the stage comes off and into the theater itself i was like all right i'm, I'm buying on this my favorite thing aside from all the illusions and the great songs and all our favorite moments in it was the fact that the way the the audience was reacting mm. you know the last time i heard such an excited and vocal and responsive audience was when i saw six and it was a bunch of teenage girls yeah, yeah. you know our teenage age girls kids whatever you know and i was like these are 
audience members my age, these are, you know, late 20s, 30s, 40s year olds. And then they also have their kids that they're like, this is mommy and daddy's or whatever. Mm. This is a big moment in our life. And I just thought the fact that this show excites that generation, the, the next generation of theater goers that we need to support theater and is kind of acting like a hair in that it's, it's cross-generational. I was like, wow, this is not, it's not high art. It's not, I didn't leave the theater and go, I have to go write the, my opus, you yeah. know? But I left really just like, that was a fantastic show. I was yeah. incredibly entertained and the level of execution of everyone's craft was so high. Yeah, It doesn't matter that it's a, a, a cult classic film. Mm. Everyone still came with their A game and it was performed at the, I mean, at the absolute best. And I've since been back to see it four other times so this is oh, i've wow. seen it five times now oh goodness and it just keeps getting better and better and better and yeah. i mean i know critics ripped it apart because they were like oh it's too cinematic it's too much like the movie there was nothing new and all i could think is like but you, well like, yeah you yeah. didn't have to reinvent the wheel on this and i also one. <laughs> think you would lose like um a lot of audiences because back to the future is probably my favorite film i love it i've seen it that many times i can't even tell you and so when I heard it was going to become a musical, at first I was like, oh, movie musical, Back to the Future. Oh, how are they going to do the car? And so that was the main thing I went in saying, how the hell are they going to do this damn car? Um, and then when Doc rolls up in it and I'm just like, okay, that's how they do it. So they have the car. It's all visual. But then at the end, the end, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't yeah, seen we, it. No spoilers here, but that but is. That just... ending, I'm like, that did not see coming. And so, uh, yeah, I was, that was my main draw really. Um, the music I could have like give or take sort of thing, but I was mainly going to see that. And I just love the story. I love, you know, and I'd love that they lent into the, you know, especially doc doc plays this, like the fact that Marty's going to seduce his mother in order to keep, you know, his father and that together. And then doc's just like, this is messed up. And, so, and I love that they played into that because it is weird. It's a weird thing. It's an 80s movie. Yeah. The relationship between Roger Barton and Casey Likes on stage is fantastic. The yeah. last show to play there, which was Music Man, it reminded me of the chemistry between Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman wow. and the fact that they could play, they could actively be playing during the show to make it fresh and new and fun. I, I can't remember how many times I saw Music Man, but every time my favorite scene was that library scene because every time it was different, it was constantly watching the two of them try to get the other one to crack. And now with Back to the Future, you see that between Roger... Yes, Roger, I keep thinking it's Robert. Roger and Casey, you see them in these bits. They'll sometimes they'll go longer, sometimes they'll go shorter. Uh, Roger will add things from his past roles. So uh, if you, you know, they're like Easter eggs. Yeah. And it just makes it, you can tell that everyone is playing. It stays in the contract of where the show should be, but you can mm. see everyone actively playing and making it fresh. And I'm like, that's the mark of a great show. That's and also to add to it, I will, I'll give you a challenge because I, I found myself having to do this. Okay. I found myself in a slump where a lot of these new musicals that I was seeing, one of the biggest issues is their opening number mm. really fell flat. Yeah. So we really start, we had to like lift the audience and pull it up from this like low moment mm. to get going rather than being like a, what I think an opening number in a musical should be, which is like, I got you. I got your attention. Now let's go, you know? Yeah. And with this show... You don't really, I mean, you start with that great overture that's recognizable. Okay, yes. cool. That's great. But the actual first number with cast members doesn't happen until after an iconic scene. So I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah. we're already up here. How do you, you can't drop us. I had 
didn't think that opening number did in any way. I thought they did a really good job in keeping that going. So was, that was the first show for me so far of the new season that did that. And I was like, cool, high five, go team, go team. You okay. understood the assignment. Yeah, <laughs> you know it was happening. But then Hope, obviously you're working on that show as well. So is uh, what's, what's your experience been like um, backstage? Oh my goodness. Well, first off, this, the company, like just the company members, cast, crew, everyone top to bottom is just a delight to work with. I haven't been this, like, I haven't felt this big of a community um, in a real long time on a show. Um, Cause you know, usually like uh, hair and wardrobe, we interact with the actors. So we get to know them pretty well, but we maybe don't interact with the crew very much. Um, but on this show, just because of how busy it is, how many changes there are, how widespread throughout the building, all of those um, things need to take place and how many crossovers between all the departments, we really are just one big like family. Like we know everyone, we see everyone, we know what everyone's going through. Um, and so it's really kind of magical as far as a workplace setting. It's really cool like that. Um, and as a show, um, all I have to say is it is a beast of a show. Mm, there are yeah. so many things involved in it. Um, and so it's a challenge. Like uh, as far as things go, like my department, we have 140 wigs in the show. Oh, wow. And that is an insane amount of wow. wigs. Um, you know, and so it's just, it's, it's it's silly. We kind of say every day um, we're going in to slay the dragon because we want to create a beautiful, successful show, let everyone go on a journey. Mm. But you kind of have to like ramp yourself up to get in there. But then once you're in, you're like, ah, this this is the quest I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> I would I, I would love to just one day just be able to sit side stage of a major musical and just watch. Don't, don't do anything. Don't interact. I just want to sit and watch just to see the quick changes, just to see the calls, just to see the stuff that people do side stage as well while they're waiting. I'm, that's one of my favorite things. So I've seen, you know, so much theater, which I'm so grateful for, but I, I just, I, there's a part of me, cause I used to do performing as well. There's a part of me that knows what it's like backstage in a, a, a more community theater, um, you know, uh, lens, but to see it on a professional level, I would just love that so much. Yeah. There's nothing like watching quick changes on Broadway. There's just something elevated about having every person, a top member of their craft and just watching them work together, um, oftentimes without words. So yeah, it, it's, I hope you get to see it too, because it's really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, let's go to one of the other things you, you talked about. See, I said, uh, ask for a name a show that left you speechless. Now, uh, what were your two answers? I've just completely gone out of my brain. One of them was something I'd never heard of before. <laughs> I, I said 1984. 19, I did say I that. That was Ain't on no Ain't No More. We'll talk about that in a sec. I've never heard of it. But I did see 1984 on Broadway in 20... I want to say 2017, I want to say. Um, yeah, I think it was 2017, 2018, somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah, with Olivia Wilde in it. Yes. Uh, is that, was she? Is that the one? Who? Olivia yeah, Olivia Wilde. Wilde. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and, um, got smacked. Tom Hiddleston? Was he? Oh, it wasn't I the one I saw. So. Oh, my I goodness. I'm going to let you go ahead and talk, <laughs> and I'm going to check while, while we talk. So what, made, what left you so speechless about 1984? Oh, my goodness. Well, for one thing, um, the idea of creating, like, successfully creating terror in an um, audience. Mm. Um, you know, I know that there's, like, 
you know, like Gothic theater and Grand Guignol theater and like theater that exists to scare, but I really didn't believe it was like possible to scare me like a movie. And it 100% did because the- Can, can I can I jump in and tell the story? No. <laughs> so <laughs> they, no, the level of detail- <laughs> I was like, no, 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 you gotta let me tell this part. But the, the level of detail they went into to make sure that you as an audience member were uncomfortable mm. so that you, they actually use techniques from Big Brother to, they use them on the audience while viewing the story. So you almost, you are literally forced into the world of 1984, which is a scary freaking place. Oh, it's terrifying. Um, yeah, they, okay, Andrew, okay. you can tell. <laughs> well, cause, Okay, first of all, your viewers and listeners are getting kind of a ground floor on what would go into a regular stage whisper uh, episode. Excellent. This is a story of ours, so this is an exclusive. We haven't covered this Ooh. yet. So this was the first summer we went to New York to Broadway after I had a brain surgery. All right. And as a result from that, I have very, I've got much stronger hearing now. And when you walk in the theater, they had this very low rumbly bass and it put you on edge. Well, I was really hearing this thing. So I I was white knuckling, like gripping the seat because I was like, this is just pounding in my head. And throughout the show, it would also send out this really high frequency thing. So I would just be sitting there and all of a sudden I'd be like, ah, and she'd be like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know, there's a, there's a tone, there's a tone. Oh, and it's like a knife in my head. And for the main allure to me to see the show was, well, while we were here, because we'd spent our summers out here, Sounds so Tony. We spent our summers. <laughs> we'd be out here working and whatnot. But there was a New York Times article that was written up about fights that were breaking out at the show and audience members that were rushing the stage. Yeah, and I thought I, I, this I is... think I read something on that, and they were like, audiences are passing out in the aisles, and I'm like, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I thought this was just such a great advertisement by the show, like plant a fake article, ha ha ha. Mm. It wasn't until the end. When you know they get caught, mm. spoiler alert! If you and if you don't know the story, I mean, I'm sure people. I'm sorry, the book's been out. Everyone, school. I feel like has to read it yeah. at school. But <laughs> so they get caught and they get taken to the detention center. And by the way, it's Tom Sturridge and Reed Barney was who I was thinking of because this exchange happens between the two of them. The entire stage gets like lifted off, and it's this giant white mm. room, and the house lights come up. And I, we saw ushers, you know, come out in the aisle and then they were also in front of the stage. And I thought, oh, okay, like, again, part of the show. And Reed Barney and Tom Sturridge, Reed Barney playing like the correction guy. Tom Sturridge is the bad, you know, the guy who's trying to f escape Big Brother. He's explaining like, sometimes people need to understand the truth is what's told to them or something of that example. So he goes, if I tell you two plus two is five, what do you say? And Tom Sturridge's character goes, no. And he goes, you're not understanding. Fingernails. And the lights go out and you hear Tom Sturridge screaming oh, and the lights come back on. It's all coming back His to him now. Bleeding. Yes, I remember this. I remember yeah, this. and the thing is, if you buy the script at this moment, Tom Sturridge's character has no lines. Right. So everything that's being said is improv. 
And so he's starting to plead with the audience to make it stop. You can make it stop. But he asks again, then he gets his teeth taken out. Well, and you're, and here he is this whole time pleading to you, like looking audience members Mm. in the eyes, like you need to stop this. And you believe that he's actually being tortured on stage because up to this point, the script has made you question what reality was. In your mind, you start going, they could really be torturing him on stage and I'm not doing anything to stop it. Yeah. Or maybe the point is for me to react like maybe- vocally and say stop and then it really mm. will stop. Because I mean, I, I'm with her. I was so uncomfortable. Yeah. And the, of course the house lights are up. So you're no longer one person in the darkness just watching. They can see our face as much as we can see there. Mm. So we're as guilty as the person. And it left, uh, and I could see why people were rushing the stage while people were passing. I got... A little faint when they put the rat box on. Oh yeah, I don't do yeah, rats. So right. I was like, same, same. I remember that, and I was like, oh god, what am I, what am I watching? Yeah, yeah. I, I so we left that. the theater and went to the stage door, and then afterwards, across the street is the play that goes wrong. Oh, no. I said, I hope I said. <laughs> do you think they'll let us buy a ticket for the second act? I need to just like cleanse <laughs> my brain off, from that. Hey. But it was Monday, and the show was dark. Uh, there you go. <laughs> But yeah it was sorry i had to get that story in so you you pick up where i left <laughs> off sorry dear no but that's basically like just this idea that i could i like me this person who's a connoisseur of theater mm. this person who supposedly has a university degree you know i'm like i was fooled into thinking that it was reality yeah and that's really hard to do and i was just no, I Speechless. agree because I mean, yeah, because uh, I mean, between us, we would have seen a ton of shows. So going there, you go, oh, it's all acting. It's all. It's just an act. I'm not. I'm just going to sit here and be an audience member. But then you think of the regular Joe who comes in and go, oh, 1984. I remember reading that in high school. Let's go see it. Let's go, Livy Wild. I'd know her. Um, and so they go and watch it, and they would get that feeling like, holy shit, this is. Are they actually hurting this person? Like, we're, we're, let's do something. Um, yeah. So that's fascinating it's all coming back to me I, I must have blanked it out it must have been so traumatic i can understand <laughs> don't, don't be mad about it it was it was a great show but one i'm like ah, there's um <laughs> there's a style of theater i can't remember what it's called i was about to google it but it is that um uh to make you uncomfortable and to make you feel to make you feel uncomfortable i can't remember what it's called but it's a, it's a theater of the something but uh, i'm sure it'll come to me at some stage but that's that's great. So the other one, um, before I take a quick ad break, um, I want to just ask you both said that you'd love to work on Shrek. So what is it about Shrek that captivates you so much? Brian Darcy James. No, <laughs> oh I'm kidding. He is you know, the man. Honestly for, he is. honestly, for me, it's this, it's an anti-hero fairy tale that can be as real or as whimsical as you'd like. And the characters are real, yet... Yeah, a fairy tale. And I just love living with one foot in reality and one foot in the fantasy realm. Mm, yeah. So for me, it's three points. The first is it's Jeannie Tesori. I love Jeannie Tesori to the end of the earth and back. No two shows of hers sound anywhere close to being the same. The second is the fact that it it accepted what it was as, you know, again, not high art. It's just there to entertain, tell a story. This is what we are. But at the same time, knowing what, it, you know what league it was perform- being performed in on Broadway it went a step further and was like well we know who we are we're going to throw rocks at other people while we're at it and make fun of other people and <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. we, we can have fun at that because we can make fun of ourselves too so they took they made great jokes about other great shows like A Chorus Line and yeah. Wicked and Lion King yeah. and I was like 
that's incredible to do when you're a new musical. Mm. Right. Well, because you should take your work seriously, but never yourself. And yes. Shrek does that. And perfectly. then my final reason yeah. is as a as a lot to love, as a large and in charge chunky at funky actor, <laughs> um, Shrek is an ideal role. And I didn't think about that mm. for the longest time until my dear wife here, uh, my junior year of college, going to my junior year, said, You should really look at some of the songs from Shrek. I think they'd be perfect for you. Well, they happen to be not only perfect, they're perfect in my range, perfect for my character, and they've led to a lot of success. I just have a lot of fun with that role. So yeah. it, it's a dream role to play it on Broadway, maybe someday, because it's just so fun. And Brian Darcy James. Um, yeah, Brian Darcy James. <laughs> so I'd love to play... Um, I'd love to play Farquaad. I think I, I love those like oh. real uh, the the villain sort of quirky character driven roles. Those are my sort of thing. I love those, so I'd love to play Farquaad. Um, and just, make sure you have yeah. strong knees. That's all I've oh, heard. No. As long as you got strong yeah, knees, you, you need fine. strong knees, knee pads, and go for it. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, I'm going to take a quick ad break, and then we'll jump back and we'll um, talk about your podcast. Alrighty. So. So the Stage Whisper podcast, um, we've talked a little bit about it. Well, first of all, actually, we'll do the plugging at the end. That's the most important part. We'll do plugging at the end. So you've both had illustrious careers in theatre on Broadway. Let's talk about some of the guests you've had on. What are the most memorable moments from the Stage Whisper podcast? Because how long have you been running now? Is it since COVID? Yes, the first episode went live in June of 2021. So we started developing this during the pandemic uh, in the summer of 2020. Uh, a little thing got in the way for all the right reasons. We got married. Um, so we, we sidelined that for a few months, but then, um, yeah, we, we started recording episodes and releasing them in June. Well, we recorded them in the spring, releasing them in June and then everything. Right. Kind of and it wasn't place. until the theater started opening up in, uh, in New York that we were like, Oh, we could, you know, we could do interviews. We could be interviewing these off Broadway and indie theater, um, artists to, share their stories and actually it was um victoria fragnito with scar tissue yeah it, it was the one that made us really want to start uh having people on our podcast rather than just us two covering broadway shows i think i did i, did I tell you about her um i i don't know the name doesn't ring a bell um i i'm you're gonna gonna talk about it and then i'll go oh my god of course i know um but no <laughs> so it's it's this play I saw, I had a free ticket. I got given a free ticket. Uh, this is when I started making my venture into more off-Broadway and off-Broadway off and off-off-Broadway houses um, and that I'd never been to. And it's called the Players Theater. And um, it's, it was just like a 30 or 45 seat black box theater. There's like two of them. And she wrote this play and she started it about kind of, it's a semi-autobiographical show about sexual assault. Right, uh, date rape essentially in colleges, and about how she confronted her ass assailant, as well as there's uh, her roommate, uh, her roommate's sisters going through domestic abuse. So we it addressed two very powerful, important things. And I remember when the show was done, nobody got up, right. everybody stayed seated, and all of a sudden conversations were sorting all around. So when the actress came out, the playwright, you know, actress playwright, she's like, "What are you all doing here? Like, the show's over, you know." And I knew in that instance, I was like, I've got to do something to help get the word out because this, this can't end here. This show needs, to, like, this is too important to stop here. And so this is before we had business cards or anything like that. And I just went, hi, I'm from the show, Stage Whisper. I would really appreciate if we could somehow put an interview together. I want to promote your work. I want to get the word out because it's important. And 
that led to everything. I mean, I, I literally left the theater not knowing how we're going to record this. Mm. What questions am I going to ask or anything like that? I was just like, I know I have to do something. I'll figure it out. And um, yeah, now we're 255 oh, guests wow. later so far in counting. That's incredible. Um, well done. Yeah. Jeez, I'm only just reaching the 60 mark. Well, I mean, this is, uh, I'm, I actually did my 50th one at the end of season two. You're like, God, imagine that number. That's incredible. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but yeah. I, hey, 50 is still a lot too. Yeah, yeah. So it's true, I'll, it's true. Don't, 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 no turning the noses up to that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, um, I, one thing I would like to know. Um, or well, not. I mean, I, I'd love you guys to explain for me. So in Australia, we have a big battle between Sydney and Melbourne, essentially for like the theatre capital. In my opinion, Melbourne wins a lot of the time because they get big musicals that come. They got and Juliet. They're getting Beetlejuice. And they're getting Groundhog Day. So they're getting a lot of big ones. Sydney has a couple of wins as well, but they're more like returning musicals, not such like brand new ones. So. I'd love to know, or I'd love for my audiences to hear from you, how would you explain New York and Broadway to someone who's never been there, like an alien? How would you explain, like, New York and Broadway for an alien? The the number one thing I would say is when we talk about New York, when we think about New York, when we feel about New York, it's this big, giant thing. It's almost like it's its own planet. It's almost, you know, it's vast. It's... It seems like it goes on forever and it's so big, but New York in reality is a 13 by five mile island. Well, Manhattan. Uh, Yeah, well, Manhattan, but Mm. New York City proper, I guess. But yeah, Manhattan, it's this 13 by five island on the very tip of a huge country. Yeah. So if if you think about it in that respect, I think that is the best way to understand that New York is both a giant and a microscopic ant in the va- in the in the cosmos. I would say New York is more than a place. It's um, it's a feeling. It's an energy. It's an experience. Um, there is nowhere <clears throat> else in the world that's like it. The minute you get off an airplane you immediately feel the buzz mm. that is new york it, anything and everything exists within this city and you can see and experience and and anything anything in this city anything you want you can you could definitely have here like on one instance you could meet the richest person in the world and a homeless person within five steps of each other yeah and it really kind of, kind of leans it, into uh, that uh, the whole thing you see in movies and musicals where they go, I'm going to the big city, I'm going to make it, baby. And it's like <laughs> all that sort of feeling. And you're right, because when I visited New York for the first time, I was like, you're right, there's a feeling where I'm constantly looking up, first of all, because you're going, these are skyscrapers everywhere. And then there's that feeling of like, this is New York. This is the centre of the world, essentially. It feels like it at the time. And see, to me, I, I, I'm going to get all philosophical here, but there, I believe it's um, when the blackbirds leave the tower, then England will have fallen, I think. It's something like that. Ooh. When the blackbird, I know that basically if the, when the blackbirds leave the tower of London, when they're no longer there, the British monarch or something is supposed to like fall. It's, it's like one of those superstitions, right? Oh, right. And I feel like tying into that, New York is 
if I were to list it as something, it's hope. No matter what, New York is full of hope and possibility. Even in the darkest moments, the reason why people associate images of New York, whether that be during the pandemic or 9-11 or whatever, not necessarily because it was gruesome or eerie, but there's still a level of hope and, and promise there, uh, which is why, I mean, I feel like things have gotten so much better and faster here. And mm. going along with your, I'm going to make it in the big city. Like, yeah, anyone can come here and do anything. I mean, we're from Salt Lake and we have this show and all I thought was, oh, well, our family and friends are going to want to listen and that's great. And we just hit 8,000 followers on Instagram. Congratulations. And we I have saw all these that. other opportunities knocking on the door. And I'm like, this is something we just do at our, our dining room table. This is insane. But that's what New York can do. Mm. And kind of going with that, if, if someone said, what is Broadway? I said, Broad I would say Broadway is somewhere where anything you can think can happen. Yeah. It, will, it can... Anything you can dream up can become real. It's where some of the best stories are told by the greatest storytellers. Mm. It's magic. It's the most, some of the most beautiful sights and sounds you've ever seen. Um, it truly is just, I don't know, just a feast for the senses. There's yeah. nothing like a Broadway theater or a Broadway show. You will remember everything about seeing a Broadway show from the moment you arrive or even going to the theater to the very end when you walk out. You remember everything, what the weather was like, what smells you smell, you know, what did the person next to you look like? You remember every detail about a Broadway show because that's what that theater can do to you. And I've been to hundreds of theaters elsewhere and I'm not knocking any of them. I mean, I got to see Hamilton recently in New York and that was incredible, but- In London. In London, in yes, London. thank you. <laughs> but I don't get that same electricity that I get in a Broadway theater. Right. And I don't, I don't know, I just, watching what a, a company of people, a minimum of at least a hundred people, even if it's a play, mm. can accomplish eight times a week in perfect syncrasy is just, I mean. That's where my passion comes into it. Cause I remember seeing, um, I think it was in one of the, your news companies did a piece on the Lion King and they, um, they compared one of the the ensemble and monitored her heart rate and everything to compare it to that of an athlete. And it was equal to, if not more, uh, the energy burnt and used than of an athlete. So then whenever I hear any sports people like, oh, musical theater, I go, mate, you have no idea what they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I would love to see a lot of people who turn their nose up at the arts and what what we do and everything just do our job for a day let's see how you handle it mm. you know i we're not saving lives i know that we're not a doctor or anything like that but also i mean there's a reason that art is so necessary just like we need lawyers and scientists and business people and teachers that's all great and that will develop a wonderful society but why have a society if there's nothing to enjoy in it well, to quote what do you do Robin after Williams. you've got an educated community that's healthy and well defended and all that they need to enjoy something and that's where artists come in and art the purpose of art is to make you feel something whether that is entertainment whether mm -hmm. that is folly to escape the world or whether that is something like you know sadness or well and i would even go as far as to say that the importance of theater that you can't get from any other art form empathy like yeah. you can't get empathy yeah. from a painting. Yeah. You can't get empathy. Like you can't learn empathy from a song, but 
you have a person live in front of you expressing things and you can be empathetic. Mm. You can understand what they're going through in a way that nowhere else can. And the one last thing I'll add about explaining what Broadway is to someone who's never been is it is a safe megaphone to anything in the world. Broadway and the theater as a whole, we have the ability to hold up a mirror to society or to call things out. But I mean, I love this analogy. We do it behind a mask. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone says something that is controversial on stage or writes a play or a musical about some issue that has happened or something, we're less likely to, you know, point fingers or really call it objective or offensive or whatnot because it's art, Mm. because it's a show. And so the Broadway stage and the theater as a whole has that ability to hold up a mirror to us and go, listen, here's your faults. And a way that we won't turn away and go, oh, you're just judging me. You're telling me things and you're wrong. And I love it. And and I want to add that safe part because a lot of the performers and stories and stuff that we're seeing lately there's just this community and it carries on off stage a community of welcomeness of love of acceptance which in the, in the world we live in i mean it's more important than ever yeah to let people see that no matter who what or whatever you are there's a place for you mm. and your story deserves to be told and there are people who will listen and whether it's on a broadway stage or a stage in sydney or melbourne there are people that want to hear it and they want to tell it so i love that about it anyway that's my philosophy lesson thanks for coming nah, to i think talk. it's great i think <laughs> i think it was oscar wilde that said um ask a man to put on a mask and he'll show you his real face and i think like that um whole analogy is perfect and a perfect place i think to, to wrap up the episode so thank you so much andrew and hope for, for jumping on so let's plug your podcast so um where can we listen where can we watch where can we download yeah so you can listen to the podcast anywhere you get podcasts apple podcast google podcast spotify yada 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 just search stage whisper pod that's also how you can find us on any social media platform we're most active on facebook and instagram we have a website coming soon so make sure to stay tuned to our social media for that you could also reach out to us at our email stagewhisperpod at gmail.com and stagewhisperpod is also how you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod or on venmo just search stagewhisperpod uh there's a theme here stagewhisperpod mm-hmm. uh we have merch available as well you can check that out on our instagram but yeah Instagram's the best way to get a hold of us we love when people reach out we love hearing their stories. We love featuring artists, no matter where they are. We cover everyone around the world. So absolutely, we just, yeah, if you love theater, you love conversations, check us out. We're interested. Cool. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again for jumping on. Um, all the best. And I can't wait to see where you guys go next. Yes, you as well. Thank you so much for having us. This was an honor. I appreciate you. Thank you. massive thank you once again to Andrew and Hope from the Stage Whispers podcast for joining us on this week's episode. Head to the link in this episode's description to get your access to the Stage Whispers podcast now. This episode was produced by Echidna Audio. Follow them on Instagram at Echidna Audio for all their audio services. Once again, if you enjoyed our podcast, leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts and head to the link in this episode's description for our Instagram account, TikTok, YouTube and Patreon. My name's Justin Clark, and I'll see you next time here on the Theatre Thoughts Podcast.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.